and welcome to episode number 31 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week, except for last week, by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. Took a week off for Thanksgiving, but I do have with me Eric Ramsey, Dustin Galker, and Adam Candy. Guys, it was Thanksgiving. Dustin, let me start with you. Do you like Thanksgiving food? And if so, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? Uh, I do like the stuffing when it has like sausage in it. That's good. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't get these takes where Thanksgiving food is awful. Like, it, uh, like if I could make, if I could make a turkey like once a week, I'd probably do that. Eric, do you like Thanksgiving food? And if so, what is the best Thanksgiving food? Same. I don't really understand who, what sort of savages would not like Thanksgiving food. Uh, I actually make a reasonably mean cranberry sauce from scratch. So I'll tout my own cooking abilities Whoa. here a little bit. I made, yeah. Yeah. We don't do that jarred stuff. We do, we do homemade cranberry sauce here and it was, uh, it was pretty legit, but the real treat of Thanksgiving is football. Of course, everyone knows Thanksgiving is all really about the football. Adam, I assume you went to just a local Mexican restaurant here in Las Vegas for Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> Only way to go on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> the good thing about Eric's cranberry sauce is I've always thought of him as reasonably mean, so that is perfectly appropriate. <laughs> and adept in the kitchen. Do I come across that way, too? So, oh, clearly. So, yeah. so Eric comes with a cranberry sauce take, and I was actually going to say that the only thing that really does suck about Thanksgiving food is cranberry <laughs> sauce, because if cranberry sauce was so great, why wouldn't we just eat it all the time? Why would we You're only... Why you're, would we only eat it once a year? You're eating that stuff out of the can, aren't you? I mean, why, why, but how often do you eat things? Do you eat your cranberry sauce? You make it once a year, right? If it was yeah, really that great, point. wouldn't you make it like, you know, at least once a quarter? There's, I can't imagine eating cranberry sauce outside of one day every year. I don't know what other occasion there is for it. You're, you're, yeah, fair point. All right. Just saying, just saying, just things to keep in mind here whenever we go, you know, touting all of this food that we eat, <laughs> but we only eat it one time a year. And, you know, just something to think about. Uh, guys, we should just talk about food for the next hour. Can we just do that? <laughs> guys, we are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. So please subscribe, rate, and review. We love all of the five stars and we love you talking trash about Eric in the comments. All of that stuff is absolutely wonderful. And you can reach us at podcast at the lines.com if you want to drop us a line, have any questions for us or anything that you'd like us to hit on on the podcast for sure be sure and do that as normal we will do the quick hits here we'll run through some main topics as well we'll talk about some dc stuff some pennsylvania stuff we'll talk about the match between tiger and phil we'll talk about all these things but let's get started here with some quick hits and who wants to take rhode island i'll start with you dustin yeah we have eight states with legal sports betting now uh, twin river casino in lincoln rhode island now has a sports book temporary though it may be but you could go there right now if you live in rhode island or anywhere in new england and actually place some legal sports bets so uh with pennsylvania uh, launching last week as well we now have two new states and so we're up to eight and we're, uh, we're going to start handicapping how many states in uh, 2019 pretty soon so did this did rhode island actually hit the over on your take or where where are we at with your bet? Because I feel like you're you're losing. On uh, no, I'm I'm sure whatever line I set was absolutely correct. It's probably a push right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually positive that I hit it directly on the exact state number, so I'm sure that I hit number eight there. Um, <laughs> Eric, tell me about Swimma. If people are uh, people in the in the know, might have not even passed by this. I mean, this is one of the things that kind of flew under the radar here. But we had, we did write a story up on old Swimma. Yeah, it's something. This actually, you know, maybe a relatively big deal. I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about ESSA. It's a European agency that kind of oversees uh, sports betting internationally in Europe and abroad. 
the U.S. now has a version of that. Uh, MGM and Caesars are founding board of trustee members of this new group called SWIMA, the Sports Wagering Integrity Monitoring Association. Uh we don't know the full list of members, but the press release said it includes most of the major U.S. sports betting operators currently. They're sort of going to work together to share information and talk with regulators and law enforcement as needed and uh, just generally oversee the integrity of sports betting in the in the U.S. So we that's a thing now. Yeah, and I mean, I think that this is just a, a fairly smart thing for them to get out in front of this. It also knocks down some of this whole, you know, again, they're obviously all against the integrity fees and then paying different things like that. And, you know, you get out in front of this and say, like, hey, look, here's the deal. We're going to go ahead and we're going to form our own organization and we're going to monitor everything. And, you know, we'll be sure and work with you guys with this organization that we formed here. And if anything looks suspicious, we will certainly report it and let you know what's going on here. I mean, I think that these casinos are a little bit more savvy than even the leagues were giving them credit for. I think the leagues thought that maybe they were going to get these these casinos and states and different things to just roll over to their every whim. And I think that some of these guys are saying, you know, look, we've we've done this for a while. And also some of your demands are absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Dustin, I mean, look, Swimma, is it really going to is it really going to, you know, do much? We don't really know here, but the fact that they went ahead and just formed something like this and getting out in front of it, I think is at least uh, fairly smart. Yeah, this is an effort at basically self-regulation to kind of paint the need for, hey, we don't need like some interagency body across states or a federal body doing this. It's like if we get everybody in the same room, it's like let's keep government out of it, which I think in this case is probably a, a smart smart idea. I mean, it'll it'll have regulators and lawmakers involved and looped in, but it's not going to be like, okay, here's a state agency or a federal agency that has to deal with this. I think that's that's the point, and I think that's the what I think that's what everybody would like to see, and they'd like I like I think everybody including governments would probably like to see something like this work out adam in our great state of nevada they had another pretty good month when it comes to sports betting revenue handle for nevada was once again more than a half billion dollars but the only thing that fell was revenue because october everywhere was a fantastic month for football betters revenue down by more than half in nevada largely because you have things like an NFL week where every public side comes in and the books take a big bath. But overall, for Nevada, this was the second strongest October on record. And this is something that we've mentioned on this podcast, you know, several different times before, but this is like the whatever 300 or 160 something straight month that they have actually made money here. So yeah, don't feel sorry for the books at all. Dustin, you have the exact number. What is it? 163. What, what, what is it? Uh, I think the last time the Nevada Sportsbooks lost, there were still dinosaurs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that is something we should definitely keep in mind here. All right. Tell me about Kentucky. Oh, me? Kentucky? Let's see. Kentucky has sport. Uh, they've been one of the states that's been actively talking about sports betting pretty much all summer and fall. Uh, so it seems like there's going to be something done there. The attorney general actually wrote a letter saying, uh, hey, let's uh, let's we have some shortfalls in the budget. We can't pay our pensions. Let's have sports betting to pay for it. So I'm not a big fan of states saying, oh, we have we have to do X. We have X problem. Let's pay, let's plug it with sports betting. I think you should be uh, legalizing and and taxing sports betting as a matter of course is a good policy matter, not tying it to some exact thing. But still, Kentucky seems to be really high on the, on the possibility of sports betting. So one of the top states to watch next year. 
would they make your would they make your top five if you were handicapping? I think so, just because they have like a sort of homogenous system. The lottery and the and the racetrack seem to all want to do want the same thing. Other states it's just gonna be messier because you have so many different uh stakeholders who really who want a piece of the pie. And I think Kentucky looks it looks like everybody's kind of on board the way the bills are written. Mr. Eric Ramsey, West Virginia has a couple of new sports book coming. Yeah, this is I'm sort of catching up on this right now, just finding about this finding out about this this afternoon. But uh the company called Delaware North owns the last two sports book or last two casinos in West Virginia that don't have sports books yet. It's uh, Mardi Gras and Wheeling Island. They both use the same provider. Apparently, they are done with testing. Uh, the, a new report from West Virginia says November 19th, they finished testing on site. So we assume a launch is imminent. Uh, most interesting thing from the reporting there is that they plan to launch online and mobile in tandem with their retail books. So we still don't know the timeline, but when it rolls out, we expect to have all five sports books up and running in West Virginia and online and mobile from at least these, uh, at least Myomni, the the supplier there. And Adam, some other interesting news to come out of West Virginia. Whenever we got some reporting from them, was the fact that that private sports book that we've talked so much about on this podcast might actually have some sharp betters that are heading over there. Isn't that interesting that the rich folks at the Greenbrier are not doing too badly? I think what's interesting overall about West Virginia and Eric just referenced this this story uh, as of our taping went up about 15 minutes prior. Is that the revenue projections are way short, and that goes for FanDuel Sportsbook, the Greenbrier, and everywhere, whether it's sharps or whether it's squares, because without mobile, West Virginia is going nowhere. Think about how that place is set up. You need to have mobile in West Virginia, and the launch here is going to get things going. So, Dustin, what we're referencing there for West Virginia was the Greenbrier actually came out negative for the month, correct? Yeah, it was uh, several, tens of thousands of dollars uh, that, that betters actually won from the Greenbrier. So, uh, that, like we are making fun of Nevada, the Greenbrier, which run, run by FanDuel's uh, Sportsbook and Patty Power Betfair, uh, a, a stalwart in trading uh, in sports in, in Europe, uh, got, got beaten up. So, it's, uh, it's kind of wild that uh, yeah, that this happened, and it, it, it points to the volatility in small sample sizes. Like sports books are going to win in the long run, but in a short time, they're they're going to lose. Uh, they can lose in a, in a month when when the public betters or sharps do well. Yeah, it was. Uh, we, we talked about the Nevada sports books winning for hundreds of months in a row, and and West Virginia starts out zero for one. So that's uh, that's uh, that's pretty interesting there. So one of the things we were talking about in our in the famous Slack channel that we always talk about here on the podcast is our friends at FanDuel. We had some news about DraftKings kind of heading down this road that never really came to fruition. But, Dustin, it looks like FanDuel has gone ahead and is taking the step to add micro games within a game here. And it looks like we're going to be having second half DFS moving forward. Yeah, so uh, what you're talking about, DraftKings had this product that they started uh, promoting uh, in the summer called Flash Draft, where you'd be able to play DFS for a single quarter. Uh, we are now late November, and we haven't seen that. But FanDuel dropped uh, a little notification to us yesterday that they're uh, yeah they're having single game in game. 
fantasy where you can say, well, it's not actually in game, but you can say, I'm only going to play the second half of, of, uh, this fan of a, of a, of a single NFL game on FanDuel, uh, pick your fantasy players for one, for one game. And it's only based on the second half. So, uh, this has always been coming. Uh, obviously DraftKings had plans to do it earlier. Didn't get there. Uh, FanDuel doing kind of a simplified version where it's same rules as, as it's core DFS game, but you can enter for a few hours up until the second half of, of certain select games. I presume the, uh, you know, the night games and maybe the national games during, during the early windows. So yeah, you can look for that. Uh, actually, I haven't looked in the lobby. It was supposed to be there today, but yes, yeah, second half DFS is here. It's called partial fixture, which, uh, which we've been joking. Sounds like something Europeans came up with, uh, <laughs> over there at Patty power bet fair, because yeah. it has fixture has no, no meaning whatsoever here in the U S but, uh, for that yeah um eric you are you are a dfs player i play as well uh when i saw this i have to be honest with you i don't it didn't really jump off the page to me now i haven't we haven't had an opportunity to play it yet so of course this my my opinion could change uh very rapidly uh, i don't know but just uh playing just a second half i don't know didn't really didn't really do it for me yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll feel different once I get my hands on it. I will say with the showdown contest, the single game, I am enjoying those more than I thought I would. I think they're a little more nuanced than I initially thought. So surprised by that, maybe I'll have the same experience with these partial fixture contests. But yeah, uh, when you when you guys are chasing your losses on, on, the, on the showdown, you're going to be chasing the second <laughs> yeah, half. It's true. Them. I mean, Come it's on. exactly true. <laughs> Fairness, yeah. But I think uh, that in play, that flash draft maybe is a little more appealing to me. That kind of intrigued me a little bit. This, not so much, but that's... That being said, I will still fiddle around with it and let you know if I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I imagine there will be an edge. Um, certainly, there will be people who have to who are watching the games who you know intently who plan to play this, and we'll see how game flow is going and see how different things are playing out. And I'm sure they will have the edge over the person who's only watching whatever the nationally televised game for the for the day is, and you know doesn't have access to all of the other games and stuff like that. You know, watching from yeah, you know, I'm not going to say my living room, but something similar to my living room or whatever. Um, you know, so I imagine there will be some edges and I imagine that uh, the good players will continue to win and probably the bad players will continue to lose. So uh, we'll see. But I, it didn't really jump off the page at me, but maybe I'm counting my chickens before they hatch here and get my hands on it. And finally, in the quick hits here, we had a massive, massive hit over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Got a little notification from those guys that a 10 cent. Yes, 10 cent is in a dime one-tenth of a dollar bet hit for 15 over fifteen hundred dollars and basically what that per, what that better did was guess the exact score in three different hockey games and we were kind of like man that doesn't even seem correct and then we went in and started playing around putting in bets ourselves and it is definitely something that can be done if you can if you can correctly pick the exact score of three hockey games and the and the scores are kind of wacky you know i mean you know typical hockey game scores aren't you know for nothing very often and different things like that which is what you kind of have to get to to get this sort of payout but i mean eric you had you had put in just a couple you know before we started uh, doing this podcast and you saw several just massive massive payouts just on like three team parlays 
I don't. Again, we've talked about how I'm not a not a better you should trust for advice at all. But I can't <laughs> imagine that I'm less than one in a million to guess three scores. NHL <laughs> NHL scores are hard to guess, but I mean the the first one I plugged in for three teams paid paid out nine hundred thousand to one. So I mean I don't know. I, I can't be that much of a dog, right? If, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I I instantly booked a air airfare to New Jersey to start firing off ten cent yeah. hockey parlays. So uh, I think I think this is a sustainable business uh, business model. Adam, we we are not allowed to bet, uh, you know, just a dime here in uh, in in Las Vegas. But I mean, man, if we were, I th- I, I I can see myself losing a whole bunch of dimes here, like trying to chase this this goal of of guessing three hockey scores. I want in on all of this. It's 10 cents at a time. You're risking nothing. Walk around the parking lot, find a dime, and fire off a three-teamer in the NHL. It's gorgeous. Yeah. The, the only problem for me is I would have to watch a lot of hockey. But, you know, that's that would be the only – because I would be sweating these things, like, you know, crazily. But that, I'm, I'm – not really into watching anything. I can't outside really of imagine it. having having a six figure sweat on a on a <laughs> bet, you know, on a ten cent bet. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and bad and bad news for people trying to win like millions of dollars doing the, using the strategy. There's a, a, a payout max of of a quarter of a million at both DraftKings and FanDuel. Oh, I'm sure similar. Okay. At other right. at other sites, and it depends on the sport and the, and the sports book. But you're you're not going to make millions of dollars on like a on a couple dollar parlay. So well, you are that. when you hit three of them. I mean, you like you just got to. You just got to yeah. win three of them. I mean, like, yeah, and yeah sure. there you go. Like, there, and there you have it. Um, all right, on to our main topics here. And of course, guys, all of those things that we hit on real quick, you can catch at legalsportsreport.com, onlinepokerreport.com, thelines.com, all the different sites that we have on our network cover these things in depth. And uh, you can get a lot more than we're just touching on here on the podcast. On to the main topics here, Eric. The use had the fortune of sitting through a another hearing uh yesterday and this one was in dc as you've been listening to this podcast you know that we've been talking about dc and how that has been progressing there in the district of columbia as far as sports betting goes but it looks like we got pretty far in this hearing yesterday so yeah i this is going to be a little bit of a long story. I've covered a lot of hearings and this one actually was amazing. Kind of an amusing 24 hour situation that unfolded there. Uh, it first kind of looked like a nothing committee meeting scheduled for Wednesday to hear this bill, uh, the bills from councilman Jack Evans that would put DC sports betting under the oversight of the lottery there. Um, the night before this committee meeting, we got a hold of a draft copy of the bill with some changes in it. The most noteworthy change was a new royalty fee for the sports leagues. It was, a quarter of a percent of revenue that would be paid to the sports leagues from the operators. And in exchange was official league data. There was sort of a trade here that Mr. Evans had tried to legislate in. Uh, Fast forward to Wednesday for the hearing. Obviously we're a lot more keen on this hearing now because we have a new fee to consider Um, in presenting this, this bill to the committee, Evans mentioned that the official league data part was being removed. The leagues uh, felt that was unfair, did not want that included. But the royalty stuck. The, tw- the quarter of a percent of revenue remained in the bill he proposed to the committee. Um, <laughs> the committee did not go for it. There was some pushback from some of the members. One of them moved to remove the language. So the long story short is the committee did advance this bill but removed that royalty fee before they did. So it was it, really quite an amusing little 24 hours. We had something similar in West Virginia when they tried to sneak some fees in there kind of uh, at the last minute. And yeah, an unusual 24 hours in D.C. surrounding this bill. And Adam, I think that people might just, you know, kind of gloss over that fact. But how important is it that that gets removed from this language? Because, again, once we have one of these 
that gets passed that actually includes some sort of you know quote unquote royalty fee for these leagues and stuff. Now we set some sort of precedent, and they at least have some ground to stand on as they you know move forward into other states that look for legislation here. But with getting this removed, I mean, just exactly how important is this for sports betting moving forward? This is huge, and I'm going to throw a little credit to my friend Eric because he had an influence on the way this all went down with his reporting. You just don't want there to be model legislation out there that says that this is the way to go for the leagues to try to get something done. We thought it was going to be New York last year. It looked really close to happening in New York last year, and then by the end of the session, bill didn't pass, no royalty slash integrity fee coming out of New York. Then D.C., this sort of popped up out of nowhere in D.C. and almost as quickly went away. So I think the risk in it is that you look at it and you see, oh, it was in, it got taken out, no big deal. This was dangerously close to becoming that precedent that especially Major League Baseball and the NBA could use around the country in tandem with all these private partnerships that we see popping up. And Dustin, one of the other things that came out of this meeting, and I think Eric was uh, reporting on this as well, was there is a deal between MGM and the baseball park where the Nationals play that could create some interesting things moving forward. Yeah, we're not exactly sure what all this means. All we know is that uh, the, the sponsor of the bill said, quote unquote, MGM has gotten into an arrangement with NAS Park. That's my understanding today. So when you go into the baseball field, the only app that will work on your phone is MGM. So you have to use theirs when you're in the baseball field, quote unquote. That sounds uh, really interesting that, n- number one, that MGM has to deal with the Nationals in some respect. And two, they're going to somehow IP block slash geolocate if you're in the park and you can only use the MGM sports betting app, that sounds absolutely wild. And if that's a precursor of what we're going to see around the country, um, uh, I'm there for the for the debate and all the <laughs> all the all the, all the shenanigans around that. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, I think everybody's I think there's some sort of relationship with MGM and Nats Park. I'm not sure if uh, Councilmember Evans quite got that right from from our, our sources, but. Um, this is this is a I mean a new battleground we're going to see we're going to see you know we have we already see all these sports books and teams and, and arenas kind of doing these partnership deals if they if they are going to say oh you're only going to have our type of sports betting in in our arena or our stadium that's a that's a super interesting thing as uh, as the the months and years roll on for sports betting in the US. I, I think he's almost certainly wrong I don't want to I don't want to just call yeah. him wrong I think he's probably <laughs> misunderstood something but he really the way he has envisioned this is amusing to me he doubled down and talked about cafes and bars in D.C. that could also be, uh, you know, geofenced or restricted to single apps. So the way he envisioned this was that, but I don't think that is the case. That you got it, you got it very specific. Right. You got it very specifically wrong, which makes me think there's a yeah. little more truth. Like, yeah, exactly. like, it's a very specific thing to get wrong. He's like, oh, you can, you can only bet on MGM and that's Park. That's a that's a pretty specific thing that he either misremembered or misheard. So uh, it'll be it'll be. There are a couple of weird things in this bill, too. It would allow sports books at the arenas. We don't have that anywhere. It would allow that at the uh, hockey and NBA arena and at Nats Park. It also seems to create a lottery operated online mobile lottery. There's some question about the implementation there. This is sort of a strange bill. There, there's maybe nothing wrong in it anymore, but there's still some some oddities in here. And, and, and D.C. is also talking about model bills and what's going to happen next year. L- the lottery getting involved and having the say on it. This is going to be a big theme, I think, in 2019 is that there's a lot of states with lotteries that would they would love to have this revenue and do it themselves. And there's 
there's going to be like uh, they were kind of playing catch up, I think, in 2018, other than the states where like Rhode Island, Delaware, where the lottery is kind of the only game in town. You're going to see lotteries kind of exert their influence and say, hey, wait a second. Why are we letting casinos do this? We can do this. Other lotteries have done this. And um, that part of the, the, the story in D.C., even though it's a small, small place, I think it's going to be the same thing where other states with with powerful lotteries are going to say, hey, sports betting should be our business. And don't forget also that we're looking at D.C. having no casinos, so there's almost an interesting breeding ground to talk about where you have the ability to experiment a little bit with no existing casinos. Yeah, I I vaguely remember when MGM opened National Harbor. Like I, I remember that they did some deals with some of the sports teams in the area. So maybe that is what this guy is is referencing, and maybe you know that's something that he's like you said. Maybe he's misremembering the exact. Um, maybe he's re- misremembering the exact kind of partnership or something like that. I mean, I know that National Harbor has a partnership with the Washington Nationals. I, I definitely know that, and I remember that happening. Um, but I don't. I can't imagine that it's like to the point of where they have like complete exclusivity of everything that happens wirelessly inside the stadium. I don't know. Yeah. That just that seems a little out of bounds, maybe. And I'm told that technology. I mean, you can do that though. Like, if you want to IP block. Oh yeah, um, sure. They get you. Know, I mean, this, this, can, this yeah. can happen. Like, I, like, I don't, like the fact that this is out there is not. It sounds crazy, but I think it's like. And it may not be happening in DC. But yeah, I think this, sort of, this is a thing that might happen. I hope he didn't misspeak into into a good idea for someone else. You know, I hope someone else doesn't grab this idea and say, "Hey, maybe maybe this is not not the worst idea ever." Hey, I'm in. I'm in for app wars, man. I'm in for the app wars. <laughs> like, like I, this is my territory, and that's your territory, and we're gonna battle it out. Like, I, I'm in for this. I think this could be something that we. Get, I mean, it would surely be great fodder for this podcast. So I'm kind of hoping this this goes forward because, I mean, man, can you imagine what we'd have to talk about with on this podcast with all that? It'd be amazing. This all surrounded the the deals with MGM and the leagues too. Again, more fuel for maybe the misunderstanding. But yeah, it, there's an interesting element with MGM and its relationship with the leagues as as sports betting unravels throughout the U.S. I'm kind of interested to see how MGM handles its sports betting product, given these little contexts, these little partnerships with leagues and teams and influence with legislatures. Just an interesting dynamic with them right now. All right, and we have moving from D.C. over to Pennsylvania here, and Pennsylvania has been a very, very big topic, not only on this podcast, but on all of our sites and certainly things that we have been following very, very closely there, Pennsylvania, a big state, nice population there. Of course, this is something we've been waiting on for what seems like forever now, um, Dustin, Eric, uh, whoever, Adam, whoever wants to take this, um, let's talk about Pennsylvania, where we sit with Pennsylvania and some of the very big news that has come out here, uh, recently in the last couple of days. I will, I listened to the hearing, so I feel like I should probably talk about Shoot this. It. Oh yeah, we had a, we had a, um, a Pennsylvania gaming hearing on Wednesday, um, where we got approval for poker stars. That was sort of the big news that came out there approved, uh, with their partner, Mount Airy to offer online casino and online poker. Neither have filed for sports betting, but we know that's going to happen under the bet stars brand at some point. Uh, also tied to, to sports betting specifically the supplier can be which is going to power the park sports book is approved. And so is rush street to power its sports books at rivers and sugar house. So we have, uh, what is that? Five sports books now approved and one uh, application still outstanding. That's Valley forge. That still has an application on file without a decision. 
So, Dustin, when we take a look at this and with Poker Stars, I mean, obviously that name in our circle, massive, uh, huge. We've known all the stuff that's gone down over the years with everything with that company. But for people who might be outside of at least the, the poker realm of things, uh, them getting approved, the reason why we say it's such a big deal is because there has been a cloud over just the Poker Stars brand for, I mean, I guess, you know, a decade now. Yeah, I mean, Poker Stars, uh, you know, when it was uh, before its current iteration was operating in the U.S. As a, in the, in the, when it was a gray market prior to 2011, its domain was seized 2011 Black Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that story. But yeah, we're in a world where Poker Stars is now because is now it's now owned by Amaya, which is a, 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 a sorry, the Stars Group, which is. Uh, a, a now a large company that's regulated uh, throughout the world. It's not uh, not the same company that was you know operating in gray markets back then. It's only operating in white markets. So um, yeah, this is this is good news for PokerStar. It's already been in New Jersey uh, for most much of the five years that online gaming has been there. Actually, a little less. It's it came in a little later, but. Yeah, Poker Stars has cachet still. I mean, if you played online poker early two thousands, you you played at Poker Stars. This is and I, you know they still have a good product on the poker side. They're uh, you know very excited about their sports betting product. They, the company, the Stars Group, has uh, acquired Skybet, another a giant European company uh, for sports betting. And yeah, this is uh, you know Poker Stars, Stars Group, uh, that company wants to be in the U.S. in a major way. And this this getting approved in Pennsylvania for operation is is a part is a step toward that. And it's potentially pretty big for just the online poker industry in the U.S. in general. It's never really recovered from Black Friday. It's still restricted, you know, mostly ring fenced, a little bit of multi-state poker in, in three jurisdictions. Um, really need states like Pennsylvania, New York and Illinois to come online to start to sort of nurture the the industry back to health if that's if that's ever going to happen. Yeah, no, it is. It's absolutely the truth. I mean, if if you play here in Nevada, you know, past eight o'clock at night, I mean, it's. It's fairly dead, you know. I mean, it is. There's just not a lot of volume, not a lot of people, uh, liquidity going on on the site right now. Now, Eric, I can't remember if we got this on the last podcast or not. If this happened during the week where we where we were off for the holidays, but um, they also partnered with El Dorado Casinos, which actually has casinos across the country here. One of which. You know, uh, one of the states is is Nevada, and so I mean, this is kind of one of the things that that perked my eyes up a little bit. Was do you do we think that there is at least a chance for you know Bet Stars slash Poker Stars to get going in Nevada? So Dustin gave you that quick little history of Poker Stars operations while while it wasn't technically legal in the U.S. That is precluding them right now from operating in Nevada. That's the reason they've been stuck in New Jersey. There's a, quote, bad actor clause in Nevada law that prevents folks like them and party poker from being licensed in Nevada. Um, yeah, this might change now. It, we're, it's not really clear. I need to do some legwork with the, the Gaming Commission there and find out how far this bad actor clause applies, if it will also span to its partner and its sports betting operations and things like that. There's at least a chance we'll see poker stars in Nevada, but not clear the legality right now with the, the way yeah, the law is written. And, and poker stars was a, and the brand and the 
was acquired by Amaya. Amaya rebranded as a stars group. So, I mean, there's a, there's this question as we get further away from when Poker Stars was a bad actor. Is this even the same company anymore? I mean, yes, a lot of the pieces and the co- and personnel, not even the personnel, and there's been a lot of turnover in personnel there too. But this is not really the same company. So, I, I think you can increasingly make an argument that you know Poker Stars is not a bad actor uh, really anymore. It's a different company, and you know it's been now it's now been you know approved in two different U.S. states for operation, and clearly. Uh, you know, I think that's the it's going to be the case in other states as well. And whether Nevada changes its mind or not is is yeah, it's who knows. But uh, I think I think clearly, Poker Stars Bet Star brand would like to be in Nevada and just about any state that can be. Yeah, and if you are, you know, if your stations or MGM or Caesars or Boyd or even William Hill at this juncture, um, I imagine you probably don't want them to get going here in Nevada because their app, having been out in New Jersey and using it, and then having the apps, obviously, that I use here in Nevada, it is night and day. It is just, like, hands down. the It would it would enter the market and be not only the best app, it would be the best app by a mile here in, uh, in Nevada. So, I mean, I think that they could come in and really make some noise kind of right off the bat because one of the biggest complaints that I hear from everybody, not just, you know, myself, but my friends included, and even very, very casual bettors that just want to bet every now and then is just how clunky the apps are here and how there's really, you know, really just no no incentive almost, it seems like, to, to improve these things. And so uh, I think it, they could certainly come in and, and make some noise if that were to be the case. Yeah, and I th- and not to go too far on a tangent, but your 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 case stands that like everything in New Jersey is better than the Nevada apps, and it, it, that's hard. Like, like having touched most of the apps, you can you could go download them on your phone, even if you're in Nevada, you can't actually bet on them or, or deposit or anything. But you can see the difference. Like hold, like hold, hold, not not to pick on like I don't know Westgate, but like the Westgate app is 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 pretty minimal when you go to just about anything else in New Jersey. FanDuel, DraftKings, BetStars, Eight Eight, these are all you know pretty dialed in apps that. That are you know may not be as uh, as as great as the European versions, but they are you know light years ahead of what's in Nevada. All right, Adam. While we were talking, while Eric was soaking up all the DC goodness, we had some more data. I know that it seems like we're talking about data each and every single week on this podcast, but listen, these are big deals, and these are certainly deals that are going to continue to happen and shape the landscape of how this sports betting thing moves forward. And so, another big deal was announced with the NBA. Uh, yeah, data deal involving uh, Sport Radar and Genius Sports. It's a non-exclusive deal. Uh, MGM continues to make all the deals everywhere, uh, especially when it comes to the NBA. Uh, um, you look at it for their purposes and all of these deals, especially the way MGM is moving. And we'll talk a little bit more about another deal uh, that they made or toured in play. And obviously there's plenty of information available out there you have what you need to do basic betting to do pregame betting to do halftime betting and so on but the more these stats advance the more the available stats advance in terms of what's available for second spectrum and other options the more that in play will you know grow and grow and grow not only in nevada but nationwide this is another one of those things where you know if you guys have followed any of us on twitter where we kind of have tried to make a stand here with these different you know leagues and stuff with their demands is whenever they talk about and I think we heard this uh, even I think we even heard this at G2E guys where they were talking about yeah you know but you know you don't want some guy getting their data from some guy watching TV in a garage or something or whatever and like that is 
has not and never has been been the case with any of these reputable sports books that are going on. Like if if they were not getting the data directly from the leagues, which you know now we have deals in place where that is going to happen. But if they were not going to have that happen, they would just continue to get the data from these licensed partners of the leagues anyway. I mean, they already have partnerships with Bet Genius and Sport Radar and all the different uh, you know all the different data providers and the likes who are official data providers for these leagues, and that's why I never really got the whole argument whenever they were talking about yeah but they're getting data from you know some guy in a garage but that was ne- that's never been the case no it's been a yeah it's been a doomsday scenario that just was not the not not ever going to happen so yeah we you know sport radio and junior sports are the two behemoths in the in this sector and they were always going to be kind of the the middleman between the leagues and the sports folks. This is how it's going to go down. The, the NBA already had a, in 2016 already signed a quarter of a billion dollar deal with sport radio to to uh, distribute some data, some betting data to European sports books, and this kind of just codifies what's going to happen in the U.S. People are going to be working with these companies because you want you want good data. I mean, if you're do if you're going beyond. Uh, you know, just like Adam said, setting pre pre game lines, you you kind of need this data if you want to do any kind of any amount of in play data wagering. And I think that these deals are also kind of like, why do you need more money from state laws? You're already you know MGM signing deals with leagues, uh, NBA uh, NBA and other leagues have deals with Sportwriter and Genius Sports. Sportsbooks are paying those 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 data companies. So like, why do you need this other money from from a state law? Like, this goes directly to you. That's I think that's the point that you know. Has, all of these deals really bring that point in the focus for me. Yeah. And that is still the current stance. As of this week, we had NBA counsel Dan Spillane at a conference in New York saying that he still sees the need to pursue legislative fees even alongside these private deals. So that stance is... Don't expect that to go away anytime soon, even with all of these commercial deals happening. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. This is <laughs> that's this is going to be their build the wall. Like they're just going to. It certainly like, makes their <laughs> it makes it makes their job a lot tougher. This, you know, this, these guys already already yeah. have a tough tough ask. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be these leagues build the wall. Like they're going to keep like saying it over and over and over again with like zero percent chance of it ever happening, and like it's just going to be the thing where they keep saying it and then it never happens, and it is what it is. Uh, Eric, as we were as as we were kind of wrapping up with our well with your homemade. Uh, cranberry sauce and whatnot there uh on friday we did have some we had some inkling that there was going to be some very very big news come out we had a had a pretty good idea of what it was going to be we got a story out there and turns turns out we were correct in that but maybe out of all the big news that we've already talked about on this podcast this might be the biggest yeah, of course it's big. This is another uh, another league level deal with MGM. This time it's Major League Baseball. Uh, MLB sort of teased this on Twitter uh, through David Purdom from ESPN. Said there was going to be a major sports gaming announcement in New York City. We've heard this twice before with NHL and NBA. Both of those led to MGM partnerships. So we were speculating that that was the case, and that turned out to be right. They announced the deal together. Um, Jim Mirren, the CEO, and Commissioner Rob Manfred in New York. It's Similar to the other league deals, I won't run through all the specifics. The thing that sticks out is it there is an exclusive data component in this for the quote enhanced statistics from from baseball. So I we talked privately about things like exit velocity and route efficiency. I suppose these will be now exclusive data points for for MGM. And Adam, like one of the things we did mention kind of in Slack, and we were saying it partially in jest, but really when you actually start to think about it, it makes a lot more sense and you kind of go, oh, actually this could definitely be a thing. 
because I I know you consume a lot of sports. I consume more sports than probably I should and humanly possible and whatnot. Uh, God bless my wife. But um, there is one of the things about these super advanced metrics, and that was the thing that MGM got the exclusivity for, were some of these advanced metric statistics are statistics that are actually showing up very, very often on these broadcasts now. I mean, they've if you watch a baseball broadcast, it's no longer just balls and strikes. I mean, you are getting not only the pitch, you know, the, the speed of the, every pitch that comes through, but you're getting exit velocities, you're getting route efficiencies, you're getting uh, distance covered, and you're getting uh, miles per hour that the runner was able to top out at whenever he was running around the bases and things like that. So you're getting these advanced metrics. And if MGM, again, we we only know what the press release said. We haven't really seen this in practice yet, so we don't, we can't say for certain but it does say that they have exclusivity to these types of advanced statistics and i actually think this could be you know outside of their nhl and nba deals where we kind of said okay whatever this is just this is nothing more than just marketing branding stuff uh get their logo next to those other logos i actually think this is something they could put into practice and and actually you know make some money off of completely agree for those of you out there who've been waiting to bet on the spin rate of Clayton Kershaw's curveball, your day is coming soon. The MLB advanced data is far ahead of where most sports are. NHL is experimenting with some stuff that I think is going to be interesting in a year or so. NBA, obviously, we just talked about and NFL is lagging behind in terms of this. But Major League Baseball prides itself on the in play, excuse me, the advanced data that it has. And Kenny Gersh, the executive vice president who was willing to come out to G2E and spar with Sarah Slane from the AGA said that in play is the future of MLB betting. They feel like their product sets up perfectly for in play. And they seem to have codified that a bit with this deal with MGM. So I think this is the best of the deals that MGM has made for that purpose alone, because I agree with Kenny. Major League Baseball really is a great product for in-play, not just based on the advanced stats that are available, you know, things you see on StatCast throughout the broadcast, but also based on the pacing of the game. It really is perfect. There's the right amount of time between each pitch, between each batter, between each inning to set up all manner of props in baseball. So I think this has a lot of potential for baseball. Yeah, I, I really do as well. And if you're sitting out there wondering, like, well, what are these guys talking about? If maybe you're not a baseball fan and you're wondering, I mean, so let's say between innings, obviously they're going to go to a commercial break. So you have, you know, a couple of minutes between innings. You know that the three, four and five hitter for team X, Y, Z, you know, whatever is going to be coming to the plate. So they're, you know, let's call it three, four, five, typically being your better hitters within your lineup here. And they could throw up a line and say, you know, will there be a batted ball over 99.5 miles per hour in this half inning? And so you'll be able to bet yes or no. Or maybe they even give you tiers of, you know, will will the first guy, I mean, if, if Mike Trout is coming to bat, like literally it could be if Mike Trout puts the ball in play, will it be? And then you like guess the tier of, you know, the the exit velocity of, of the ball off of the bat whenever he hits it. So, I mean, I, I really do kind of agree with what they're saying about baseball fitting these in-game wagers pretty well. It's kind of the same thing we said about golf, right? And we'll touch on golf here in just a second with the match and everything. But, uh, Dustin, I, I, I agree completely with Adam that I think of the deals that they've made and really of the deals that we've heard just about anything with any of these leagues or teams or whatever, uh, this one seems to be by far the best. Yeah, and you know, it, and just just from a historical point of view, and baseball's the, the, been the, the Japan aspect as well. We didn't even mention. 
Yeah, they, the, the deal is in effect for Japan. I, I think the, the biggest thing is, it, you know, NBA and NHL were one thing. Major League Baseball with this, it's kind of history with betting. And this is a big deal. That's MGM's quote unquote official gaming partner of Major League Baseball. Uh, I mean, go back to the 70s and think that made, after Pete Rose and think Major League Baseball would ever have a, a, an official gaming partner is just kind of wild in retrospect. Like, we're in this world now and it's like these, the news kind of comes in so fast. Like, let's just let it sink in that Major League Baseball has a gaming partner. That's That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And Eric, one last thing is the CEO of MGM, I guess, during some questioning or whatever, had a couple of things to say about the idea of integrity fees or royalty fees or things like that of that nature. Yeah, he's not a fan. He's basically offended by the concept of these fees. He said, uh, essentially, he feels like he's already paying for the integrity by with these with these sponsorship deals, which I didn't. That was sort of an uncomfortable thought for me that that integrity would still have a value of sorts. But uh, but yeah, MGM CEO not on board with these fees. As as well, is as are we and everyone else. We're we're joining on with that. I mean, seriously, I'm offended as well, guys. I'm also very, very I'm also little support for yes. these fees. Yes, I'm also offended by these things. Uh, if you guys were around your computer uh, on Friday, you probably got the notification that the match was able uh, to be watched. And you were able to watch it for free. The match between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, there were some pay-per-view processing glitches. And through that, anybody who wanted to watch online was able to watch online. And the people that actually ended up buying it were refunded their money. Eric, I know you were watching. Dustin, I know you were watching. Adam, I assume uh, maybe you were watching. I don't know. I didn't see your your Twitter comments or anything on what was going on. But I do want to touch on just kind of the overall, everyone's overall kind of takeaway from what they saw here and how they think there is either viability with this moving forward with some changes or if what their big takeaway was was that this is probably a concept that's dead in the water. Uh, Dustin, I know you were definitely right there with me as we were watching the whole thing, so let me just start with you. Uh, first and foremost, did you did you enjoy it? Secondly, do you think this is viable to move forward with some changes? And third, what do you think, uh, what do you think about it from a gambling aspect? You know, I, I like the idea of doing something out of the box. Having Phil and Tiger play golf for a lot of money is a cool idea. Uh, that being said, the match itself was kind of uh, of dog poo. It was not very exciting for much of the beginning of it. And that's that's a risky run with a single one-off match. Like guy, they weren't hit, they weren't hitting putts. Not not a whole lot of exciting going on. They their their prop bets weren't uh, you know weren't hitting. They they had one for a million dollars or somebody would eagle out from the fairway. Obviously, neither of them did that. So I think the I think the match you know I think I like the idea and I like trying to do things differently. I think the match itself was kind of you know until the very end when it got you know obviously went to extra holes was was kind of cool. Um, I think, you know, the gambling aspect, I, you know, I, I don't think that it was integrated very well into the, into the broadcast. I think it was pretty clunky. I think if you're, I mean, if you're an experienced sports better, you kind of understood it, but they're, you know, throwing out money lines on, on results. I don't think that translates to your, to your average viewer who just wants to watch the golf. Um, yeah. So I don't know. There, it was a mixed bag for me. And I, and I, and I really hated the end of it where they're playing pitch and putt for, you know, $9 million <laughs> off of a putting, a putting green, you know, I, you know, I, I, I kind of scoff at purists of sports, but I think the whole the whole end of end of the of the match was kind of a, a little bit of a farce. Eric, what did you what did you like and what did you dislike from the match? Yeah, same. Dustin took all he just took all my points right off my sheet here. I, very lukewarm on the whole thing. You know how 
even when you tried to rain on my parade a couple of weeks ago, I was still pretty pumped about this. <laughs> I will confess I didn't watch it all the way through. I was in and out during the the, the front nine, at least. Um, yeah, heated up at the end. But yeah, just sort of mediocre. I enjoyed it, but nothing really. It was a good first first try at something like this, but not really polished enough to to really move the needle. Adam, did you have any takeaways from uh, the broadcast? A few, and one of them is actually looking forward. We'll get to that in a second. I'm not sure these were the right guys at the right time, especially the right time part. There was a bit of Mayweather Pacquiao here for me where if we had done this five years ago, that it would have played a whole lot differently than it does now. I mean, the last good trash talk we got out of Phil Mickelson was on Entourage. So I can't imagine that, you know, you were going to expect that that was the aspect that was going to work for this whole thing. But David Levy from Turner Sports said that this is now the template for doing all sorts of other options that can be carried to other sports, he thinks. Could try it again with golf, could pull it into basketball, could play some one-on-one. So don't expect that this concept is going to go away because Turner seems to think that despite the glitches, despite the problems, that this was just the first of many. Yeah, I mean, so if you believe the numbers they put out, they said 750,000 people watch this. You have to imagine that if it had just been advertised as free from the get-go, that you would maybe eclipse that number by, I don't know, double, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's a little too optimistic or something. But, um, you know, I would imagine that if it was completely put out there that, hey, this is happening at this time and all you have to do is turn on your computer or turn on your television, I would think that that, that number would be significantly higher. My biggest takeaway was kind of a little bit of what you guys were saying. One, I don't know... Um, I don't know if it was the right guys just for the fact that these guys have made so much money. It just didn't almost seem like it was that big of a deal for them. This, it, it, it almost like if I could get, you know, Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth out there. And while those guys have all made, you know, $30 million in their life or whatever already, they haven't made, you know, if you're Tiger, nearly a billion. If you're Phil Mickelson on top of his, on top of his on course and his sponsorship stuff, he's made, you know, $300, $400 million, something like that in the course of his life to where maybe like the money means a little bit more. And maybe you get some guys out there and the reason, I mentioned like Thomas Spieth and and Ricky Fowler's you know these guys are friends you know these guys hang out together so you're gonna get trash talk you're gonna get I think more bets because they play together all the time they do these side bets amongst themselves for sure like constantly and different things like that I think that that type of aspect could bring my interest back to to this but I certainly would not watch Tiger versus Phil too that's for sure I think the other thing that we could do is maybe bring some actual beef into this. Like we could have Derek Fisher and Matt Barnes playing one-on-one. We could have Jason Kidd and Jim Jackson playing one-on-one. Let's get, yeah, let's get some grudge matches going here. Let guys who really want to go out there and beat each other. Tiger and Phil don't care if they win or they lose. Yeah, they're competitive. But in the end, is anyone really questioning who's the greatest golfer of the generation? No. I mean, you don't even have an Arnie and Jack thing going on here. So I don't know. Yeah. Give me give me Patrick Reed, Jordan Spieth. I want to watch. Yeah, I, want, sure. I, would, I want to watch that way more. Give sure. me Patrick Reed versus his own Anybody. family. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think I think the pay-per-view model is the problem here, too. Like, I, like, I guess people will pay for this stuff. You do more of them, but just put it on for free. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why you need to have a pay-per-view do model. Know, Although people people paid, right? We don't know how many. No, no I don't think they released that. I mean, no. people are also telling me like the thing came out today about Darren Ravel and uh, freaking Big Cat from Barstool. People would pay pay to watch them do 
do a decathlon. Like, no. I guess idiots will pay for anything. Yeah. Like, I'm not paying. I'm not going to consistently shell out money to watch grudge matches in golf. I'll watch them if they're provided to me on some free platform. I just don't see, you know, with all the options out there for free sports, like, why am I going to go continually pay out 10, 20 bucks to watch watch these one off events? I agree. I you're listening. I know you're listening to this podcast, Bleacher Report or Turner or whoever in the hell. Listen. Go get jo- Justin Thomas. Go get Jordan Spieth. Go get Ricky Fowler. Put them out there. Have them each put up 300K of their own money. And they'll play for a million bucks. And then, you know, they make side bets that are predetermined on every hole. And they can make additional ones if they want to. But the, the crowd knows what to follow. So 18 holes, 18 different predetermined side bets. So you know what they're doing. You know what they're playing for. You know how this is all going to go down. Let them, you know, make the. There's a bonus if they can finish a 12 pack by the time they get to the 18th hole or something <laughs> or whatever. Like, like let's do all of these things. I mean, like I, this is this is. I think that there's promise in something like this, but ag- agreed 100 percent on the pay per view deal. Like, can't be pay per view. Just put it on regular television. This is or or stream it, whatever it is. You know, however you want to do it, but can't be pay per view. And I think you just got to have guys where one, it means a little bit more to them, and I think that and two, there has to be some sort of chemistry because you know, look. Tiger and Phil's personalities have never are, are never going to jump out whenever we talk about even the top 100 personalities in all of sports. And, and so it was pretty dry. It was not a lot of entertainment from those two guys. And I think if you get some people out there that do have some personality, that do have a little bit of rapport with each other and things, you're going to get some you're going to get some pretty good stuff. And I, I can see this working just in a different in a different format with different people, essentially. I mean, I know I know Eric and Adam have have a beef that's not totally not totally <laughs> well known on this podcast, but I, I would like to see them compete in something. Yeah. I'm oh, in. absolutely. I <laughs> let's do this right now. Next week on the podcast, <laughs> pay per view. You can only get this podcast for five dollars. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. But it, it, at the end of the day, we're trying something new with gambling. And listen, let, let's let's keep that going because I think that. You know, innovation is certainly the way to go, and you got you, you can't really make anything happen without trying it out first. And as we end this podcast, we just wanted to bring something up here and get quick, uh, just a quick response from everyone. So there is some a supposed bet going around that there is a guy in the poker space that has bet another guy in the poker space one hundred thousand American dollars that this guy can stay in a dark bathroom for 30 days with absolutely no light whatsoever, only a Rubik's cube and a paddle ball apparently. And they are going to give him some sort of bedding that he is able to, uh, that he's able to like sleep on. And there's no way to tell time. There's no way to tell days. There's none of that stuff. There is a refrigerator for food, but the light will be removed from the refrigerator. So he cannot, you know, have any sort of light from the refrigerator and whatnot. Dustin, we talked about this briefly in our, in our Slack channel, but I wanted to bring this to the masses here. Uh, I can tell you right now, I don't think I would last a day. And I think that if someone were to actually do this, they would go like clinically insane. If I had to last a day, I think I could pull that off. I'd still, but yeah, I, I mean, this is like prop bets in poker have been, you know, they've been going on for uh, for a while now among high stakes pros and whatever. But this one's like actually dangerous for anyone's health. If you did this for any amount of time, you're gonna like hurt yourself physically or mentally. So I, I, I hope this bet doesn't go through. The other ridiculous part is this is actually given at even odds. Like right. there's no way anyone's even odds to stay in a dark room for 30 <laughs> days by, with with the, with the what you just said. That's just ridiculous. So uh, like this is an awful thing all the way around i hope it doesn't even happen eric what how much money would have to be on the line for you to even give this a whirl i'm pretty sure that if i read this right the person who 
booked the bet said he wouldn't do it for five million. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I mean, I, I just don't know if it's possible. Honestly, every every study I've read, everything I've seen and just intuition says that he is pretty much drawing dead. I, I hesitate to say that because I've I've said this about poker prop bets in the past <laughs> where I thought the the bet. As much of a shot, that being said, one of the high stakes prop bettors, Huxeed, wants to do the same thing for 40 days for a million dollars. So at least one one prop better out there thinks this is doable. Adam, I, uh, you know, I, I say I could make it a day. I guess I could sleep maybe a whole day. So I, let me let me, so let me say, so maybe I could make it a day, but I, I don't think I could make it three days. I'll put it like I'll put it like that. But this just seems like one of those deals to where I, I just don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. My first, like, 16 thoughts about this are so inappropriate that I can't say them on the podcast. I'm really having to let a whole lot of things filter through here. I also want to credit Eric really quick for the drawing dead on a guy spending 30 days in a dark room by himself. Really solid right there. I I also feel like maybe Swimma has its first integrity monitoring concern here. Who's going to make sure that the light stays off for all 30 days? We know that he doesn't bring his own bulb in for the refrigerator. There's all sorts of things we have to keep an eye on on here but just a general comment this is freaking insane yes it's really weird there there are cameras his family is watching there's limited people with access to the stream his family all tried to talk him out of this obviously it's really the guy who made the bet knows that he sort of took advantage and got a way too good of a price it's just there it's a it's a weird one man it is it is definitely definitely a weird one here. I mean, if he if he's able to do this, I don't That being yeah. said, he does one thing we haven't talked about. He was apparently provided with a very nice suite of toiletry products, uh, facial <laughs> scrubs and oh, okay. he's going to come out of there looking like a million bucks, you'd have to imagine. How will he know? He won't know. He can't see himself. <laughs> I imagine at some point if you, if any of you've ever listened to Joe Rogan's podcast, I mean, he has a sensory deprivation tank that he has at his house and I've heard him talk about being in there for like half an hour and losing his mind, so I can only imagine what like doing this like after a week, what you must feel like and actually say after a week, you wouldn't even know that you've been in there a week because there's no way for you to tell like how long you've been in there. Like there would just be there would come a point where you would wonder how like if you were even still alive because you wouldn't really be able to tell whether you were alive I, or not. I, I, mean, I would like want a Braille clock or something. I don't know. Something <laughs> that you could like tell the time. I think because that, 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 that's the hardest part, like just having no concept of time. That's got to be that's ridiculous in and of itself. Yeah. Things we learned today. Dustin can read a Braille clock. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, well, I, didn't. I, I teach myself for the for the, for the profit. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Well, we will keep you up to date on that, guys, uh, as, as that progresses and see if this guy does make it or doesn't make it or whatever. But as we said, we are on iTunes, we are on Stitcher, we are on Spotify. So please subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate each and every one of you guys out there. And if you have any comments or questions, please podcast at thelines.com, and we will answer them here on this very podcast for Adam Candy, Dustin Galker, and Eric Ramsey. My name is Matt Brown. We'll see you guys next week.